Five by five at the movies. Five by five at the movies. We like watching movies. Now listen to the show. Five by five at the movies. Hi, Mason. Oh, hi, Keith. How was your week? Great. We have a lot of movie news today. Are we started? This is the official start? Yeah, we started. I thought we would do a bit to start. Well, okay, well, we still can. What bit do you want to do? Well, I was like half paying attention. I was like... Well, that's kind of your bit through every episode, isn't it? Hey, now. What? You're an all-star. Okay. That's the bit. All right. Well, this is episode 15. Oh, my God. That's a lot. We've done this a while now. That's too many. It's not... Okay, gonna, we're gonna have a big celebration for the hundredth episode, which no, is coming up soon. It's two years. It's yeah. two years away. Yeah, that's pretty soon. All right, fine. Start planning. You have to plan things in advance, which is a big chunk of what we're gonna talk about when we start talking about Fire Festival today. Foreshadowing. Okay, let's start with the big piece of news. Also, somebody I know near and dear to my heart texted me recently and says, "Hey, how come all the news you guys talk about is about reboots and sequels?" And I'm like, my answer is like, hey, how come all the news coming out of every website is about sequels and reboots? Because uh, Hollywood has no originality. Everything's reboot and sequels. And that's what we talk about. You also don't hear a lot of news about the original stories. Yeah. Like Like, the ones that are like the indie darlings. You hear about them after the fact. You don't necessarily hear about the production. There's no casting rumors. Big news coming out of Bloomhouse. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like casting rumors set aside or like, you know, big, like unless there's like a scandal. But even then, like that's not the And we typically grab the five or six top headlines, riff on them, and then do the interviews. Like, nothing independent's grabbing a huge... Right, unless unless it's something, like, we would have broken, like, John Krasinski is going to create this movie. Right. And that would have tied in. Yeah. But that's, you know... Anyway, uh, shut up. Yeah, yeah, shut up. Let us do our news with the, with the reboots and sequels right. and comic books. Also, uh, everybody listening, please stop doing the bird box challenge. What is the bird box challenge? It's when you try to live your life with a with a blindfold on. Ugh. Portland police have said they've had multiple uh, people do the bird box challenge while driving. Who is that for? What do you mean? Who is doing the bird box challenge people for? People in Portland. But are you just are you putting that on Instagram? Oh, just, yeah, just are to you... see if you can do it. Anyway, stop putting a blindfold on and trying to live your life, you fucking morons. Stop it. You're going to kill someone. I, You're going to walk into traffic. I will never understand how... Th- this movie only became a big thing because of Netflix. It's the only reason this right. thing got into like any kind of relevance. Correct. This is... Ugh, that's stupid fucking All right, ready to hop into our big pieces of news. Comic, All right. Comic book and sequel, Spider-Man trailer dropped this morning. Yay. Spider-Man, Far, Far From, from Home. home. Ah. Okay, here's my hot take. One. Okay. Uh, I knew this movie was coming, but just seeing him on screen again makes me think that all of Infinity War's stakes are gone. Like, now we just know. Because not only do we know that he's back, we know that Fury's back. It is, and it sucks, and it's a bummer, and that's kind of inevitable. Yeah, there's no way around it. You can't wait to drop your trailer till after Endgame comes out. When's Endgame come out? May? Uh, April. April. And yeah. then you can't then do a two-month push for a three-month right. push and, for this but, in July. But, also, but we all knew going in, this movie yeah. was coming out. We know Doctor Strange 2 is coming out. So I know, we know these movies exist. Watching it really punched me in the nuts a little bit. Right, and so... 
So there's that. There's no stakes for Endgame. I know they're gonna win. I know they're gonna undo the snap. Or well, no, no. There's no like or in the situation. No, they're you not killing say, all those. They're not killing Black Panther. You know, like, I they, mean, Black Panther Two is gonna be coming out too. Yeah, so you know, there's too many. But it's 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 out. one thing to know that a movie's been greenlit. It's another to actually see the reality of. That's my point. This is, super cuts into. Yeah, the stakes. The stakes are like, gone. Now I don't even care that he didn't feel good, Mister Stark. Okay, I will say this. I never huh. thought from the beginning they died. I never once thought... Well, they're not those... dead. They're, they're out of existence. Right. My immediate thought from day one was they're in some alternate reality. I think they're in the Soul Stone. The Soul Stone? I think everyone's in the Soul Stone. Right. So, but I, I feel people like took it to like, oh, they all died. It's like, I think they took it too far to the extreme, but they would still exist. Uh, like, I knew that going in because I knew going into Infinity War that home, Far From Home was going to be out there. Doctor Strange yep. 2 was going to be out there. That's so, like, it, and I don't think it necessarily cut those stakes. It made a shocking moment, but it also didn't eliminate those stakes right that's, away. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's talk about the trailer proper. Let's talk about Mysterio. Okay, I don't know what that is. Okay, Mysterio is Jake Gyllenhaal. He is in comic book canon. He's basically like a guy that works in theater and uses a bunch. He's like an illusionist that uses okay. illusions to make him look like he has seems to have superpowers and pull off heists. So now the rumor out of DC is that he's in like he he's recruited by Nick Fury and him and Spider Man team up to fight these giant elemental beasts. But my theory and my theory and every single other person's because this is what's going to happen is that it's all an illusion and he's creating these elemental things and all his powers are fake because he's pulling off heists under like the is this the Incredibles. Right, he is Syndrome, yes. Okay, so this is the Incredibles. That, that's the theory, is that he's pulling a big Syndrome. He has Syndrome Syndrome. Uh, so, yes. Because, and, like, the biggest part of that is, like, there's that scene where he comes in, like, first with all the green, and it looks like he's teleporting in, but then he rises up out of the smoke as if to come through a trap door. Oh. So I think he's creating these monsters. And then, so he also uses a shield at some point. The scene when he's got the bubble head on and he's finding the monster. And the shield kind of vaguely looks like a uh, Doctor Strange shield with like glyphs and stuff floating around. Okay. But not exactly like it. So it might be like a projector in his hand. Like, so yeah, I'm pretty much 100% sold that he is just like the comic books. He's a grifter. He's basically. And in the trailer, they point out, it's like, oh, he looks like Iron Man and Thor put together. Like, yeah, he's using superheroes to make himself look like a superhero uh, and the lore of this universe to pull off these big giant heists. I hope that's the case because I really like how these Spider-Man movies, the stakes are low. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just it's, a guy stealing right. shit. And it's, it's kind of like the same kind of deal with Ant-Man where, like, it's fate of the world, but, like, not really fate of the world. Like, this yeah. is just... You know, like the first movie, like Homecoming, you know, Vulture, he's got some, he's just stealing stuff and he's, you know, right. a, a menace to that neighborhood, but it's not like global damnations on its way. And this is also like the story of just Peter Parker trying to be a regular kid, but also he live doesn't live in the costume with him on vacation. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. It's, it's a little, it's not, it's, it's, it's lighter. It doesn't feel like, oh God, ex humanity will be over if you mess this up. I also like that Aunt May is all about him being Spider-Man. It was like, bring the suit. And like, he gets to go home and tell Aunt May and his buddy. And everyone's like, hey, I'm an Avenger now. Yay. Yay. I'm an Avenger. Yeah, that's... Does Aunt May know? What? Yo, yeah. At the end of Homecoming. Oh, yeah. She catches him. That's right. She, catches, she goes, I, what the f... And then they cut and then off they, the Okay, I, for, I forgot about like that end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aunt May knows. 
Well, yeah. And there's this moment where, like, Happy's flirting with Aunt May, and I like that. I would love to see those two get together. All right, now, what do you think about the theories that are going out there from this trailer? Hmm. It proves Iron Man dies. Why would it prove Iron Man dies? Because he is nowhere in the trailer at all. It's just a trailer. Okay. I don't believe that. Okay. There, I, I saw that thread going out there at one point. And it's like they're using Happy instead of. I do think Tony Iron Man's going to die. I don't think this is proof of it. I also don't know why Happy would. Unless, like, Tony put it like in his will. Like, hey, if I die, Happy look after the kid. That's possible, yeah. I guess that's possible, yeah. Okay, so. So it doesn't necessarily prove. I think it's just strategically. I feel like omitting. Peter would be more upset because Feige said this movie starts right after Endgame. Like, there's no gap. Right, but also if everybody you knew died i feel like it would lessen some of this specific blow right okay like oh my best friend died or man like 10 people i worked very very closely with all died at once i'm a soldier of war and i'm surviving right like the alderaan thing like you know luke loses ben and he's all butthurt but leia loses her whole planet and she's like whatever yeah exactly once you, <laughs> once you expand the magnitude yeah, of leia devastation watches her planet blow up but then has to console this little shit because ben who we knew for three days died exactly fuck you luke skywalker you piece of shit that has always been our stance here fuck you luke skywalker yeah you whiny piece of shit go to tashi station and stick a thumb up your asshole um <laughs> I understood like every third reference. I know. Once we got to Star Wars, I was like, nope. All right, here we go. Go pick up some power converters, asshole. All right, so that, uh, that's the first piece of news. Second, let's talk about fire fraud. Ooh. Okay, here's what happened. Okay. So Netflix has been pumping up this fire festival documentary. It's like a multi-part series coming out for like a while. And then yesterday, surprise, uh, Hulu drops a fire documentary, which is a movie instead of a series. It's Mm -hmm. an hour and a half long and it's fucking amazing. And they didn't tell anyone. And in the middle of it, they really give the finger to the Netflix documentary. Really? Really. In a real fun way. Okay. So here's what happens. So spoiler. So, oh yeah, spoiler. Is, it, is this a spoiler? Is no, it? it's not really a spoiler. Okay. Basically, For a, can you spoil a documentary? Maybe. I mean, if you. All right. So, right. backtrack. If you don't know what Fire Festival is, it was a festival that was planned by this guy who was a con man and Ja now, Rule and Ja Rule, and the con man's now in jail. Uh, but. It, the whole thing fell apart. It was like basically no man's land and looting, and like it was like Altamont and Woodstock put together with no music and no food. Fire Festival is my favorite victimless crime. A hundred percent. Because there is not a soul invested in that who I feel sorry for. Oh yeah, fuck them. If you have the money to go to the Bahamas, then fuck like, you. Like, and I, I that might be controversial, but I fully stand by the fact that if you were willing to drop ten thousand dollars to go to a Jaw Rule concert because you thought it would change your life you deserve sadness okay now i will say that a lot of the i haven't seen the obviously the netflix ones out yet but in fire fraud they spend a lot of time talking about the culture that allowed this to happen about how like they fucked with people and used instagram influencers our favorite term Mm -hmm. uh, and made people think this was like if you come here models will you know have sex with you on the beach like you'll pet wild pigs like like, this will be... They, they put it out as a life-changing experience that you can't miss. Right. But, again, Instagram influencers talking to right. Instagram wannabes. Right. Like, that's not... It's. I mean, people quit their jobs. People Which, cash in their life savings. For no re- there's no reason to do that. Yeah. There's no reason to cash in your life savings to see Blink-182 on the beach. I will not go. That was... Say it ain't so. <laughs> that was that was the goal. That was the goal is for that. It's a concert. Look, turn the, the light of the, off. <laughs> I'll Do be it. your thrill. 
that was that but that is the whole point of that it was like it's a concert in short it's a five dollar five star luxury it would have been you know elaborate and fancy and massages but like to quit your job like do you think you're gonna walk out of there having made business deals and becoming a ceo of a startup like no you have to go back on monday to your regular job there's right no but it was reason. marketed to those morons and i don't feel bad because it was marketed to people who fall for instagram influencers okay that's fair uh so in the middle towards the end of this documentary middle and the, the the back third they talk about how after everything happened there was like this race to do a documentary about the fire festival and the one on netflix they allude to is done by the promoters of fire festival no way so do you know who fuck jerry is yes okay so fuck jerry and that crew uh were the promoters of fire Fe- like the pr firm what yeah what they were brought on as partners to like do the PR and like make memes, uh, for stuff. Like, All right, now some things are starting to make a little more sense. Yeah, and they've been putting together the the the, the Netflix documentary to make themselves look like they were less involved, but they're still embroiled in a whole bunch of lawsuits about because they knew the thing was falling apart and kept pushing it. So Hulu basically just really just shined this big giant light on the Hulu fact that drop this as a secret and also said fuck you to Netflix. Not only are we going to get the first fire documentary out, we're going to point out that yours is a fucking kind of a scam in itself because it was made by people involved with Fire Festival to make themselves not look oh as bad. Oh my god! Also, I don't know if the Netflix one has, uh, and I doubt it has interviews with the main guy. I'm blanking on his oh, name. It's now. like it's Billy something or other. yeah, Billy something. Yeah, uh, but the Hulu one has interviews with Billy something and his girlfriend and some of his staffers like it's amazing to watch this guy is a con and he's in jail now and part of the reason he's in jail is because he was running another con as soon as he got out on bail for the fire festival oh yeah no yeah no he was trying to sell tickets to like the Met Gala and the Masters like stuff where like normal people can't get tickets to yeah I am fascinated by like so that is just Hulu just calling their shot and then immediately also like hey by the way you're gonna see another documentary soon and it's bullshit Theirs is PR spin that's amazing oh has Netflix said anything has they re- have they responded nope. not not, oh. not as of today not the next day after it came out oh man but, like I didn't even know this I was literally just flipping through Hulu yesterday and I'm like oh there's another fire documentary how did I not know about this I didn't even know they like miraculously dropped it last night but I was fucking entranced by it especially because half the documentary is just about the culture that allowed fire festival to happen and the second half is about fire festival proper and just top to bottom the fucking human hubris of these stupid sons of bitches oh man that's so amazing i'm gonna watch this so hard i can't wait i can't wait to watch this the fucking hubris no uh we talk i mean i also talk about DashCon a lot if you don't know what DashCon is oh this is it was, it's a basically a tumblr convention for fandoms that were too small to have their own conventions and it also fell apart in a big way not nearly as spectacular not nearly as big much smaller scale but i love grand scale events that fall apart it's like that's my fandom because for a living I throw events and I wouldn't say they're necessarily large scale events I'd say they're small to medium Mm. but there's so much common sense if you spent five minutes to sit down and just list everything you need to throw an event instead of just going out there and be like I'm gonna be the coolest so I'm doing a little research oh you're doing research tell me so first off it's Billy McFarland Billy McFarland yep the team behind Netflix Fire has bigger problems with fire fraud, though. In an interview with The Ringer, Fire director Chris Smith revealed that the team behind Hulu's project paid $250,000 to Fire Festival founder Billy McFarlane for an interview. 
Oh. We were aware of the production because we were supposed to film Billy McFarlane for an interview. He told us they were offering a quarter of a million dollars for an interview. He asked if we would pay him 125000 After spending time with so many people who had such a negative impact on their lives and the experiments, it felt particularly wrong for us for him to be benefiting. It was a difficult decision, but we had to walk away for that reason. Man, he's only in fire fraud for like four minutes total. Too. So then he came back and asked if we would do it for $100,000 in cash. And we still said that in wasn't cash. something for us we were going to work on. So, ooh, this he is going to be... He wants the cash because he was ordered to pay back $26 million. Yeah, no, this is getting juicy. Okay, so... I'm okay with them paying for it. I wanted to see it. Yeah, but I feel like if I'm paying someone that much money, I, I don't trust that he's not going to lie. So, here's the thing about his interview, is that he doesn't lie, he just doesn't answer some of the questions. Yeah, and like, no. If I give you even a dollar, I'm not waiting, I don't want you to be lying. No, but I like that, because like, when they ask him about something, like, did you do this wrong? He's like, I can't answer that, which is basically a yes. It's basically a yes, but it can be be disputed after the fact. It can be, but I I don't know. I was entranced by the whole documentary. I don't mind that they paid him. I think that's a lot of money to pay him. I feel like he would have done it for two bucks and a Snapple, but I'm okay with it. And the Fire Fraud co-director disputed his $250,000 price tag. It was less than that. Yeah, it was $249,000. But maintained that Netflix's partnership with Jerry Media puts their film in a bigger ethically compromised position. Yeah, so Jerry Media slash Fuck Jerry were directly involved and paid through Fire Festival. And they're in the middle of multiple lawsuits for like promoting this festival they knew was going to damage people's health and everything. And now they're the one, a media company is making their own documentary. So fuck them throwing shade at uh, Fire Fraud. Yeah, it... That being said, I'm going to watch the fuck out of it. I'm going to... Anything with the word fire on it, I'm going to watch. For the last year and a half, if you go to my LinkedIn, it says, number one thing, fire festival event coordinator. Yeah, I was the first thing I put up. I, I am obsessed with it. I want people to think I was involved because I'm so obsessed with Man, it. Man, can you think of the last time you had the same topic covered in two different medias? And mediums like competitively armageddon and deep impact so 1998 is that the last time but, I mean, this is a big i mean there was two mr rogers there's two mr rogers documentaries, but like, yeah but, but one was overshadowed the other one right yeah, like there's i feel like this happens a lot but not to this level you're right i feel like yeah this is like and especially because it was a surprise yeah so like and it was, hulu gave netflix the finger in the middle yeah so that was great just like two, and i know and there's also like an andy samberg movie about this in the works no no, no it's seth rogan it's seth rogan seth okay. rogan and james franco okay. had already had a script about throwing a festival that fell apart before fire festival even happened right and so but they were like unrelated they had to by go the back way. and rewrite things because it hit too close to home <laughs> Oh, it's because beautiful. it's like how do like they 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 filmed to be fucking idiot assholes, but it's too close to home to the fucking idiot assholes. <laughs> so they can't put at the end of the movie, you know, like <laughs> like not based on actual events because it became actual events, which is a weird fucking situation. All right, switching topics. Let's talk about some more sequels and reboots. All right, uh, John Wick three teaser dropped. I like the John Wick series a whole lot. I really do. I unfortunately have not seen the second one. So I just, you like the series, but haven't liked the second. I never. <laughs> the I haven't seen it. It's, okay. it's you got to be in the right mind space to be in the 
John Wick movie. That's true. That is not a Saturday afternoon in between sandwiches. I don't even want to talk about John Wick. I want to talk about the fact that the teaser, conf- like the, the the headlines I'm reading, it's like te- teaser confirms trailer on Thursday, and like when we switch to this uh, culture of like chomping at the bit for any little piece of footage or information, like oh my god, this is the teaser for the trailer, for the first trailer of the movie, and like how much I don't give a shit. Give me a trailer for the movie, and I'll decide if I'm going to go see it or not, and then I'll watch the movie. Yeah, I can give you that. I mean, how many teasers am I supposed to give a fuck about? uh, Yeah. And teasers are always the same thing. It's like a close-up of the face. Like, John Wick is coming back. Come back to watch the trailer on Thursday. And by by the third movie, you know what to expect. Like, you're not on He's going to get beat up, he's going to fuck a bunch of people up, and he's going to get a new dog. Right. Yeah, so, like, you know, you're just, you're signing up for more of the same, so, I mean, I cool. I mean, I'm excited. I will watch the second one. I really liked the first one. That was a hard sell to watch the first time. Right, because you don't like anything that's a Fantastic Fest. That's, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. I'm just, it's not your bag. You like happy movies, but happy I like movies. happy movies. But I'll take a suspense movie. I'll take a okay. suspenseful movie that's like fun and exciting. But when you know, you know, going in that uh, the movie kicks off with dog murder, that is real hard to keep as a secret from someone else. And like, ooh, I really want you to also like this movie. But the one first... time you and me dressed up for a costume contest or to host a costume contest, and I just had an extra dog costume I gave you. But then I was also in a John Wick costume. I thought that was really funny because after the fact, I'm like, oh look, we're John Wick and a dog. That's funny. But my name was not John Wick. Mason, what was my name? Your name was John Thick, which is your joke, which is funny because I'm fat. John and that whole thing also was like it was like a we had makeup artists there, so I ended up looking like a dead demonic animal. So you I just look looked like, like dead so dog. I looked like John Wick's dead dog, which is a really funny bit. All right, uh, ready for the next piece of sequel news? Yes. Announced Mission Impossible Seven and Eight are both happening, and they're happening simultaneously. They're being shot back to back, which is really fucking weird. Like you're not Back to the Future. Stop trying to be. Does this mean it's you're a not con- Avatar? Does this mean it's going to be a continuous story? I think it's going to be a two parter. I think they're trying to make like an Avengers kind of two part story. So, I think at the end of seven, he's going to like fail his mission. Like it really will be an impossible mission in seven, but he'll redeem himself in eight. <laughs> Cause look, out of all six missions, none of them have been impossible. They've all happened. Yeah. Now part of also the, what's interesting about the mission impossibles is like up until recently, they've all had different directors. So they've right. all been different stories, but I guess now they're just settling on... This will be back-to-back, same director. And isn't it the same guy who did the last one? I literally stopped reading the article because I was so angry. Oh, okay. Just at some point, the mission has to just say it's possible. Just say mission possible. I mean, at that point, you're also like getting away from like the original source material as well. So at this, it's, it's title alone. All right. But yeah, I really my, my theory and my hope is that in 7, they fail. Like Empire style, which is like all the rave right now to have, you know, one movie where they fail and everyone dies and the next one they redeem themselves. And it's Jeremy Renner who comes in and, yeah. is, and is relevant again instead of just in the background just hanging out cause do, of, as a do, failed experiment. All right, last piece of news. Not a sequel. Okay. Kind of a reboot. Detective Pikachu. Uh, the rumor is the bad guy is Mewtwo. Shocking. I get it. It's a pun because it's Pikachu. It's shocking. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. But yeah. It has to be though, right? Right. Mewtwo is like the accepted 
v1 bad guy in pokemon like in the pokemon universe he like um, unless it's going to be team rocket and giovanni which i don't think so i think they'll show up but i don't think they're going to be that like team rocket will be team rocket goes after kids not adults yeah, but this is also like a noir universe, That's so true. like it's. But yeah, the the big rumor is that Mewtwo's the bad guy. He's gonna be doing some sort of mind control thing, and that might be the reason why Pikachu and the main character can talk to each other. Oh, that would have to make sense. That would have to be because otherwise, it's like it has to because everyone else they even show in the trailer of like, see, no one else can hear me. It all sounds like Pika 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 Pika. So that would make sense if there right. was some. So this guy's some weird psychic, because you know in. Pokemon lore, like psychics, are a big thing, right? And they're able to do that, and they're able so to communicate. So this guy is a psychic, and his powers amplified because Mewtwo's fucking around. And you talk to this guy, real nerdy, but but then even also like even like Pokemon the first movie, you have Mewtwo who's talking. I never talking. watched the animated movies. Really, Mm-mm. the first movie is amazing. Is it the one where he turns to stone? Yes. Okay, I gotta watch that. It is the most sad and hardest I've ever cried still to this day. And, like, I could watch the movie tomorrow and I'll still cry just as hard. Okay. I'm going to say that within the next week, you need to come over to my house and I want to watch that movie with you. And I want to watch you cry over a Pokemon movie. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's Pick so Pick a night because we're doing this. It's so good. It's such a good movie. That was our piece, last piece of news. Ready right. for an interview? Sure. Here's the second part of my amazing interview with the incomparable, amazing, ever sexy Owen Edgerton. All right. Uh, aspiring filmmakers out there. What should they know? Oh, what a great what question. What would you tell them? Oh, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, it's a really basic question. Is it? Well, it's been I, like anytime you do a Q&A with anyone, that's like something they ask. Oh, man. I, yeah, I guess it's true. I guess it's true. But I would just say, uh, just get out there and fucking do it. Yep. Uh, like, it is, I think there's so, especially when you go out to Los Angeles, there's so many people just metaphorically and sometimes physically uh, pushing up against the gates of the studios uh, just sort of begging to get in. You're like, oh, what can I do to get in? I'll change everything about myself. I'll write exactly what you want. Uh, What can I do to get inside there? Uh, Just waiting for someone basically to give them permission. Um, But, you know, if you're like, if you're a screenwriter and you you write a script and I guarantee you know someone who is a cinematographer who wants a script who knows a director, who wants to direct, who right. knows some actors who really want to do something. So go ahead and, and combine those talents, put them together. And these days, more than ever, you can make something cheaper than, than ever before. You can, mm-hmm. you can do it. So write towards that, work towards that, and, and just make, make it. Don't wait for permission. Um, just make it. Um, you know, the, wh- one of the reasons I have any kind of career in film um, is uh, two guys, Chris Moss and Mike Akel, uh, worked together back. This is back uh, uh, late '90s. They m- making films. They made films, and they made this one film called Chalk, which was mm-hmm. a mockumentary about teachers. And they were asking all kinds of favors from friends and. You know, I did something and, and you know, Jerm Pollock would help them out on some project and all these other folks in town. We were, we were all just sort of working because they were a bunch of creative people who love doing creative stuff, who were hanging out together and sharing each other's ideas and doing their best to lift each other up. Mm-hmm. So while other people were sort of lined up at the gate in L.A., these guys made themselves uh, a 
big pole, a pole vaulting pole, and they just pole vaulted over all those other guys. They didn't get any permission, they didn't know how to do it right, and they did it perfectly. And they landed smack in the middle of getting a Hollywood agent and, and you know, studios asking them to look at these new ideas and stuff. It's God, because they did it the, themselves. Um, and I just really appreciate that as an example. Like, of course it's frustrating and of course like this work and of course like there's so much noise out there. Are there actually there, people but... physically outside studios waving scripts in the air? <laughs> I've never seen them. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm going to get cops you called know, real quick. It's hard for me to see through the darkened limousine windows as I th- go through the gate to see if they're actually there. <laughs> but they might, they might be. Smoking your cigar. <laughs> exactly. I love that answer and I, when people ask me stuff I always tell them the same thing like just do it. Just like, do it. Uh, filmmaker Chris Christopher F. Todd mm-hmm. if you're familiar friend yeah. of the show uh, one time told me oh, I want to do the short film but I need $11,000 to do it I said the fuck you do you need 11 bucks and a Snapple that's what yes. you need you got people that love you and creative friends go create something you yeah. piece of shit yeah and, and you know some of the best stuff you like see these guys like there's amazing things that are done with barely any money and uh, you know like I think Toby what's Toby Hooper's best film like it's Chainsaw Massacre, right? Right. Which was not his first film, but like he made it with not a lot of money. It was also made it on film, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like work a bunch of people going, look. He I made it with be- a Nikon and a chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a bunch of people saying like, this is what we want to do. We're going to work our asses off. It's not like, oh, this is just a lark. Like right. these are guys like men and women who are like, we- we're going to work our asses off and-, and we want a career doing this and we want to go on to the next level. But they're also like, all right, so in order to do that, let's let's pay our way by working for less and giving more. And, and yeah. you know, sometimes that's the best thing uh, a filmmaker will ever do. Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, what's the? I'm, I'm gonna fuck up this quote. The 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 invent. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. There yeah. it is. There it is. You did not fuck it yeah. up. I'm so glad. All right, I'm going to switch gears and talk about One Page Salon. Okay. Saloon? Salon? Salon. Salon. Oh, One Page Saloon's pretty good, too, though. That's what I was thinking. Well, in Texas, every time, people make fun of me every time I say the word salon, now I say saloon because uh, it's in Texas. Uh, and I love that idea for a show because you let people who are creatives who have works in progress read one page of something yeah what is the shortest thing someone's read because some of my poems are a sentence long right <laughs> well we <laughs> we did we most recently uh becca oliver who is one of the folks who runs the uh, uh writers league of texas uh texas writers league she she came up with this idea of doing a one sentence salon so we have been doing yeah we're just people like write one sentence it's just basically Go like a uh, in a line across the stage, reading out one sentence. That's which great. Can be pretty great. Pretty. That great. sounds great. But probably the shortest thing ever uh, uh, ever read was uh, uh, Neil Pollock was working on a new novel, mm-hmm. and he just read this briefest exchange. It was like you know basically a paragraph of dialogue between mm-hmm. two people, and it was really short, and it was super funny. Nice. And it was great, and it was like one of those things of like. Sometimes, you know, folks come and like, oh, one page, what font size is six font? Is that okay? Right. And how much margins? can I cram into this? Yeah. yeah. And how one page is two sides, right? And, <laughs> and it's that, that, uh, they bring in a poster board. <laughs> it's one page of poster board, asshole. Uh, is the illusion that they think like more is more, right. uh, which is so often not the case. Right. I, I don't think anyone's ever gone to a reading, uh, of, of like a writer or a poet and got, gosh, was just they just went for 
just too short an amount of time. <laughs> Why didn't they just read for long? I can't think of a single time I've ever thought that in my life. Like, man, I just wish that they would just drone a little, little more on. Yeah, yeah. We seldom think that. Like films, it's not a lot of times we think. I mean, sometimes we do it films, but often, like, you're not ready. Right, gosh, that movie was just too short. Wow. Right. You know, uh, I feel like 2017 was the year I just stopped giving a shit. Uh, about sitting in theaters and I'm like everything's too long every, every movie I came out of two seven, uh, 2017 I'm like that could have been 20 minutes shorter that could have been half an hour shorter that could have been two hours shorter you were saying stuff about that like during Fantastic Fest and I heard a lot of people saying that like people who because at Fantastic Fest you're like okay I'm gonna watch you know Five, five movies, movies today. a day, yeah and at some point you are you're like okay hey now I'm really seeing it you know right. like I'm really seeing like you didn't need that like, where is the chase how can I cut to Right. It? Let's get to 88 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's knock the next Avengers movie out in 42 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I'm a big believer that it, like a movie is like a length of the movie should be. Like, like, and it finds itself, you know, right. or should find itself. Right. Yeah. Now, on the opposite side, uh, I just hosted the Lord of the Rings marathon. And oh, it was all the extended the cuts. Extended and I cuts, said, right. 12 hours in a theater watching it. And every single minute was necessary in those <laughs> movies. Every single one. Yes. Because I love those movies. Yes. And I feel that way, actually, a lot of Peter Jackson stuff. Like, Peter, I always kind of dig the extended stuff on his, and I don't right. even know why. Did you watch, see Mortal Engines? No, not yet. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. I've guessed that's not a masterpiece. I don't know. Who knows? It, it could surprise yeah, us. Could. Everyone wants to be the next Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. That's what they want. If you were in a Harry Potter house, which house would you be in? Oh, sweet God. Uh, Gryffindor, dude. Gryffindor? Look at, look at okay. Me. Look how courageous I am. You are. You kind of got red hair, too. So, <laughs> I'm a bit of a Weasley. Okay. <laughs> I'm just a Weasley person in general. <laughs> bit of a Weasley. Yeah. All right. Um, if you could uh, plug seven things in a row, that would be perfect. You are, Yeah, I want, I want to hear your plugs. Plugs of my, my own stuff? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It doesn't have to be, I guess. You could plug other people's stuff, but. No, I'll plug my own stuff. I mean, yeah, let's see. Uh, okay, so Bloodfest is now on, like, Showtime. And that's can, a fucking awesome. Yeah, thanks. I'm super excited about God, that. God, what a cool fucking life. <laughs> I'm really pretty sad all the time. Oh, really? Well, no, most really. creatives are. That's true. Yeah, we act real happy, and there's no amount of success that's ever going to fill that hollow hole inside of us. Whoa. What a I great lead into my next plug. Hollow. Perfect. Now out in paperback. paperback. And, and now you can also get this audiobook. Who did the audiobook? Um. Um, the who read it? You mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He was super good. I really appreciate appreciated his work, and he wrote me this really sweet sweet note. Oh. Um, but I can't remember his name right now. Oh. That's all right. Um, but it's funny because you were asking how you know how uh, how people pronounce my name. Right. So the uh, my my agent sent me this like box of CDs. Like it's you know it's on you can download it, but also like it's, there's actually a CD of the book. And I'm like oh my right. gosh, I'd always cool. that. Yeah. Like, this feels so good. Now I've got to find a CD player. Right. <laughs> so I found one and I put it in. I was like oh this is my book. Oh, Tell no. me you said your fucking name he wrong. He said it wrong. Like, yeah. Oh, what did he say? Hollow by Owen Egerton. I'm like oh. Damn. Uh, <laughs> Damn. But it was like, how fine. do you not get like like the last like approval on your own audiobook? Uh, no, right. No, nothing like it. Nothing like it. Um, but yeah, hang on. Let's go back to that before we go over the because I've got now five more things to pitch. Yes, at but least. Yeah, do you think that creatives are, are often sad? Often, yes. Yeah. What do you yeah. think that is? Intelligence. Really? Yeah, I think the stupider you are, the happier you are. Huh. Well, what about like the Dalai Lama or folks of. 
um, like that, or, or even I'm not, like, I'm not saying it's a set in stone concrete rule. <laughs> no, I'm just pushing. But I'm back. saying in general, I think that if you're intelligent and creative, like you're, I think that you tend to have a lot of sadness inside of you because you you tend to have more empathy. Yeah. And uh, you just kind of see more of the world, like you're like uh, you know how like in sci-fi, like I always define sci-fi movies like okay, I know it's gonna be a better sci-fi movie by how much of the world they're showing, mm-hmm. or at least a bigger budget by how much of the world they're showing, how yeah. big it is. I said the same thing kind of for intelligence. The more you can accept the world around you and see the world around you, you're not in your own little world. Like you're not going from point A to point B. Uh, the more intelligent you are, uh, the more of the world you see, the more sad you're gonna be. <laughs> Wow, that's insightful. What, Thank you. So, do you think it's also like, so like I, I look at you and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're smiling every time I see you, and you're oh yeah, I'm hella sad. Oh yeah. So is it is it that creatives are more sad, or is it that they are more on both, like all, everything? They're more a wider happy, range. Like it's just a wider range. I th- like, oh, there's a big range. I'm on Prozac because of my wide range. <laughs> ah, yeah. And so it like even kills me out yeah. instead of swinging so like from one to the other. Yeah. yeah. Like I, you know, I've I've got a teenager right now, and and she, she'll go through these huge like laughing and we're dancing, and then two minutes later she's feeling really sad, mm-hmm. and 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 so she'll remember that like oh I just felt sad. I'm like no no mm-hmm. you remember you were laughing and dancing, but it's like you're just feeling all of it big, you know like that's right. that's part of it a teenager, but also it's well maybe I'm just a perpetual teenager. Maybe you you. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's God. That weird. makes me sad too. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're right though about like creative feeling that. Like, um, I think a lot uh, about um, uh, like contentment. Like, I'm pretty ambitious, and right. that can be a really good thing. That's like gets it often gets me up and gets me writing, gets me working really hard. I can be competitive, but with, then it'll make you not appreciate the things you have done. Yeah. yeah. So how do you? Like, I I don't want to lose my ambition, but I also want to foster like the. The appreciate skill of the moment. Yeah, of being course. content. Yeah. Um, there's a, a Tony, you know, you know Tony Hale, uh, like yeah. Veep and Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tony Hale talks about like he talks a lot. He's got a, a cool kids book, which is all about like finding your next big thing, uh, mm-hmm. and and saying, oh, the next big thing is what's happening right now. Um, but he has this like from his own life. He was like he was working really hard as an actor. He was doing uh, some different bits and pieces. He actually worked with. Chris Moss and Mike Eagle, those two guys mm-hmm. on yeah. their first fitch film, uh, Butcher's 15. And and he was thinking, like, I'll be content when I get a sitcom. I'm working my butt off, but I'll be content right. and happy when I get a sitcom. Get my, and, then, and then he got Arrested Development. And he got married. And, like, he had everything that, you know, checked off the boxes. Success. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just a sitcom, but one he loved. He got his pop figure. Y- yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and on a show, like a pop figure on a show that he, like, it was right. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was surprised to find that contentment wasn't waiting there for him. That he was okay, like, right. oh, I'm here. And I carried her, all those stuff with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not content. This didn't do it. The pop figure didn't do it. And so when, when Arrest Development went off the air the first one off the air he was like okay I realized like that you know those kind of success will come and go and everything like that but before that happens again if I ever get a cool new sitcom or whatever I'm going to work on being content and and, because I know it's not waiting there for me so you know now you know he got veep and you know he's doing all right he's He's doing fine pretty brilliant Um, but he's he's just had that wisdom of like okay I've got to like 
I, I think of it like, oh, exercise so now, contentment like a muscle. Right. So now we have to figure out the balance between drive and looking inwards to yourself. Are you enough or not? Like, right. this, like what is driving you? Is it happiness or is it fulfillment? Yeah. Wow. God, this is getting deep. This is this supposed is to be a podcast so about movies. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, if you're a filmmaker, just you know, just remember to be sad. Yeah. Just remember to be sad and to think about that next big thing. And when you get it, just think about the next big thing. And yeah, Wait, don't, you know, don't stop. Yeah, and believe in. I, hold I, on to that feeling. Hold on. To that. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's you just went on a journey. I, uh, I I'm, before I think, we go our separate ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is something of like we we do get into this kind of culture of like okay okay if you're feeling sad find a way to not feel sad you know mm-hmm. uh, and, and which of course like we make movies even like that do that for us yeah. like the sadness of Avengers is about you know six minutes of the whole movie the rest of the movie is kind of like even when we're fighting we're kind of ha ha yeah. uh, and th- those are the kind of movies we flock to like but but I think you're like being a creative like you're a poet like sometimes it's like alright I gotta sit with the sad like I, I, Man, I talk about that all the time. I'm so glad you said that. I say uh, all my books are about breakups. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's like, when are you ready to be sad? And my favorite st- story is like the, the last book I wrote is like, uh, I, I feel it getting birthed out of me out of my pee hole. Uh, so I went to a coffee shop in town. I went like hella early in the morning. I'm like, I'm just going to dump. I'm going to dump all the sad because yeah. I don't want to be living in it. I want to do it in one day. And I did it all. And it was like, 10 hours at Mozart's coffee shop. Wow. I just put all the sad, like, I know I'm going to craft this into the book, but I don't want to say any more sad shit. I don't want to talk about, you know, like being dumped and me cheating on me, the miscarriages and all that shit. I don't want to mm. talk about it. Uh, so I hop back on my scooter and I'm driving. And by the time I'm leaving, it's like rush hour and I'm stuck on this bridge and I'm, I pick up my, my last iced coffee and the top of my iced coffee popped off and it poured down my beard and my shirt and my pants. Like the perfect end to a perfect day. I'm like, spent the whole day being sad. So I threw my scooter down. I threw my cup down. I'm just sitting on the Lamar Bridge, like screaming at the top of my lungs, like, fuck God, this isn't fair. I look over and my ex is in her car looking at me. No shit. The one I had just written for like 10 hours about and she doesn't even live in Austin. I have no idea why she was here. Just looking at me in disgust. And then that was my rock bottom. And then I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad I wrote this book today. That is brilliant. Your life is a Bob Boyington film. 100%. (laughs) It is amazing. It was garbage. But yeah, you have to sit in the sad. Yeah. You have to have the full. So maybe that is the full range of humans. That's why creatives are sad because we have to have the full range of emotions. If Avengers didn't have the six minutes of sad, it would have been an incomplete movie. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think we got to like, we got to, you got to love it. And you know, it's a big thing. I think uh, like I I am so tempted to jump onto my phone and check Twitter all the time. Right. Uh, And it's a way of like not only getting out of like the creative, like sitting 10 hours and and writing for 10 hours or Mm. two hours or an hour uh, with uh, uh, getting into those emotions, those feelings, those thoughts and not wanting to be distracted by the kind of the quick pop Mm -hmm. of even anger, which is what it is now for me these days. Like for two years, I've been smoking angry cigarettes. Great. Not smoking, but like Twitter's my, like, what's the headline? Oh, I'm pissed. Great. And I, oh, that's a nice little rush. Right. And, and like, that's easier than like, you know, getting into a Mary Oliver essay and just sort of like, let me read this whole poem and sit with it for a while or let me work on this chapter. It's easier to be angry at someone stupid for 10 seconds. It sure is. And it feels like you did something. Like, oh yeah? Retweet. Boom! It's <laughs> <laughs> like, how about I sit... I'm involved, motherfucker. <laughs> Resist. Social media. <laughs> I'm social today. Uh, as about like, like, how about I, I sit with my craft, my screenplay, uh, my my film or my book and I, I, I work on it and I, I 
I, I stay, you know, in that world, even when it's frustrating, even though I don't know what my next sentence is going to be or my next word is going to be, I stay in there um, with that frustration, with that sadness or whatever it is, with that, um, the, that tension. And, uh, and and thrive in it. Like, that that's that's the key. And I haven't figured it out yet. I figured I would have by now. I'm 46 years old, but I'm, I'm still, I feel like I'm still in training. <laughs> but good for 46. Oh, well, thanks. You know. I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> All right. We got five more plugs to do. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, what did I already mention? Uh, Bloodfest Hollow. and Hollow. Now, Hollow, is it, do you also have like the, the the paperback and then like the the shittier version of the paper? You know what I'm talking about? No. When so they make the mass media they, version? They, not yet. They, so, the, yeah, the, the hardback came out last year. And then mm-hmm. there's a Kindle and the audio. And then the paperback just came out. And they did a Got really it. good job. It's like a really cool cover. Nice. Like when it first came out, I forget which. Like, so you don't even get to approve the cover? Oh, I do get to approve okay, the cover. It. But I don't design the cover. Got it. Like the guy who designs it, he's just brilliant. And he, like a couple of my books, like the only time I've been in the New York Times, like mm-hmm. book review, was like, oh my God, my book's in there. Oh, oh best covers of the year. Oh, <laughs> for a collection of short stories. Got mine. It. I was like, oh, okay, it's true. It's cover. a really good cover. <laughs> so just to be clear, this is not the novelization of the movie Hollow Man. It's not. Okay. Still working on that one. Okay. <laughs> That's a good movie. People shut out Hollow Man. I like sure. Hollow Man. Okay. You got five yeah. more plugs. Uh, I, my, my first movie, um, uh, Follow. <laughs> yeah. Um, which you can you know catch on like Amazon Prime, but I'd recommend going to Shudder because I really dig Shudder. Yeah, which is a love Shutter. Love Shutter, like it's you know Netflix for horror movies, and they are getting better and better. They've just got such good stuff going on there. Is there going to be more in this rhyming series of Follow Hollow? <laughs> the next one's Swallow. 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 <laughs> it's a adult film I'm working. Called Swallow. Swallow. <laughs> Four more plugs. Oh dang it! Um, uh, well, let's see. Um, oh, one page salon. You know, yep. if you're in Austin. Um, come check out One Page Salon. We, we it's the first Tuesday of every month, and mm-hmm. it's at the North Door. Oh shit! So it's tonight. It actually is tonight. So you you've missed it by now. By the time you're here, but there'll it. be the next one coming but up. The next one will be like in two weeks. Yeah. By the time you hear this, so um, and it's it's pretty great. It's like it's really fun. And if you want to read at it, just let me know. We also been doing this thing where like I draw a name out of the hat, and someone who's there mm-hmm. reads a page that they brought That's that night. Cool. It's super fun. Uh, so yeah, come out to the one page salon. Um, I got other books out there. Um, uh, like, uh, everyone says that at the end of the world, how best to avoid dying and the book of Harold, the illegitimate son of God. <laughs> That's a great fucking title. Well, I, I figured you would like that title. I love that title. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love that. <laughs> two more. Okay. Um, let's, okay. Well now I'm going to plug, uh, two other people's stuff. Uh, I'm going to plug my wife. My wife does typewriter rodeo. You knew this, didn't I, you? I've, I book typewriter rodeo yeah, sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Which so ty- I adore. They're so, they do such good stuff. All right. We're way over time, but I'm going to like go on a tangent about typewriter rodeo. It's genius. Oh. It's a bunch of writers get together with their typewriters and you tip them a buck or whatever. It depends on the, the show. Or nothing. Or nothing. And they just write you these, these fucking poems at the top of their domes. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. They've been doing stuff like they're on a uh, Texas standard, like on NPR now. Mm-hmm. And they, they've got a book out. A book came out. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It's like full of pictures, and it's like it is a beautiful looking book. Just like yeah. not even like talking not about the content, right. but just the look of the book is fucking gorgeous. And all these stories. I mean, some of them are like are super funny. Like it's the stories of the people who mm-hmm. 
suggested a poem, like write us a poem about my grandfather and here's a story. Or And there's just like everything from, you know, uh, the, getting married when the law was changed that uh, gay people could get married mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I lost uh, my father at a hard time in my life to here's my puppy dog, whatever it is. Right. And um, it's their stories, it's pictures of the people who requested them and it's like, and then the typed out poems, like pictures of the paper yeah. that typed and the personalities of each of their typewriters is in there. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, all the different pages. Like I've seen at Typewriter Rodeo, someone have like 12 different types of paper in front yeah. of them. Ugh, what a great thing. And my last plug, thing. my last plug last is plug. not, not the, this is not a plug for, this is again someone else's thing. But um, this is, I think, great for movie fans, uh, specifically people like yourself. So Scott Poole wrote a book called Wasteland uh, that came out this last year. And it is a brilliant examination of World War I as the origin of all modern horror. So Scott Poole is a really great scholar. He's written about uh-huh. uh, monsters and he's written, he wrote a beautiful book on Lovecraft. Um, and he's just got incredible insight into how the origins of World War One really gave birth to what we're talking about in horror, in art, in literature, and a lot in film. And he also draws like a lot of comparisons to what's going on in the world today and the rise of fascism post World War One through the nineteen. How have I not heard of this book? This, this book amazing. is so good. Uh, Scott Poole, I, I, I'm really Wasteland, Scott Poole. Yeah, really a fan of his writing overall. Uh, I found this book so exciting, and you can follow him on Twitter. He's great. Great. Oh, you follow me on Twitter too. I could have yeah. plugged that, but well, I, do I don't know why. We, you do. I know you do. Yeah. Well, now me. I'm going to start tweeting you angry things so that you can get that distraction and get angry. Good. Would you? All the time. Good. Everyone, if everyone that. could just go follow <laughs> Owen Edgerton on Twitter and just tweet him angry things. If every person that downloads this podcast sends one angry thing, he'll be busy for the next year. That'd be great. It'd Stuff be... like, yeah, maybe the climate's changing, but it's not caused by people. Yeah. Stuff yeah, just, like that. But just, you know, maybe the earth is flat. You don't know. <laughs> this is something stupid. Oh, and thank you so much for being here. Man, thank you for having me. Yay. This has been uh, this is great. This has been a, the best part of my day. Really? Well, the day's pretty early. <laughs> it so. is pretty early. It just started. <laughs> Your day will get better, I promise. All right. Bye, everyone. Woo. And that was part two of my interview with Owen. If that didn't make you happy in your cockles of your heart, I don't know what will, because that was some good fucking advice, some good fucking shtick, and I love that man. That's good. I can't wait for the next uh, third part and then the fourth part. No, that was it. That was the end of that, that interview. Was it? That was All right. it. All right, good. Now i got to work on getting some more interviews with people as interesting as Owen. All right. Because let me tell you, just you, you yourself are not interesting enough to make this podcast work. Fair. <laughs> I just want you to know that. That's that's understandable. That's I understand. Just, uh, I want that. you to know. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mason Shear, for being here. Yeah. For being my co-host. What are your plugs this week? I would like to plug. Yeah. Um, it is an upcoming film. Yeah. Uh, it stars Will Smith. Right. And Martin Lawrence. Right. Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know this was this wasn't a big enough story for us to talk about? But apparently, to get ready for filming number three, uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence got together and watched the first two back to back with each other. Really? How much would you pay to be a fly on that fucking wall? <sighs> I feel like it sounds more exciting than it actually is. I would just like to be there and just watch their reaction to their own acting. All right, thank you, Anajitin, for being our guest. Thank you so much to everyone listening. Please review us on iTunes. Mason, we got an iTunes review. Oh, really? Well, not a review, but we got an iTunes rating. Oh, what's that? We got that? a five-star rating. 
Really? I don't know who clicked it, but thank you out there. If you, if you want to re- write a review, we'll read it on air. Uh, email If you have any questions or concerns or criticism, please email us at 5x5film at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at 5x5 at the Movies. Thank you, Dan Benjamin, Hattie Cook, and the entire 5x5 network. Our theme is produced by Dan Richardson. And we'll see you next week with another 5x5 at the Movies. <sighs> Roll those credits.